a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, there'll be many reflections on the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. His impact uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, impacted so many different aspects of American life. His legacy uh, lives on through uh, each of us as we strive to treat our fellow man with respect, with dignity. And Martin Luther King Jr. had a, a vision of the country uh, that I think is so significant and often overlooked. We we typically on uh, weekends like this or celebrations as we look at legacy, we, we often go to his I Have a Dream speech. And of course, that was iconic and classic. It was Massive in scale, uh, as you look down the mall, uh, all of the rich irony of him giving that address in front of uh, the statue of Abraham Lincoln, uh, so many things that come together. But I want to focus today on something a little bit different that I don't think gets near as much attention as it should. And it's actually the speech that Martin Luther King Jr. delivered when he received the Nobel Peace Prize. And I want to begin with that, uh, with uh, Dr. King, in his acceptance speech for the Nobel Peace Prize, affirmed his belief in the ability of humankind to rise above the darkness. I refuse to accept despair as the final response to the ambiguities of history. I refuse to accept the idea that the isness of man's present nature makes him morally incapable of reaching up for the eternal oughtness that forever confronts him. Uh, I love the, the language of that. The isness versus the oughtness, uh, I think, is, is such a, a great challenge for all of us and a different way to think about where we are as a country. Uh, I like the visual of uh, not broken but unfinished. And I think that was the belief that Dr. King possessed of the country. He recognized the, the faults, the failures, the flaws uh, from individual to, to systematic uh, issues within government and agencies. And despite all of that, he still believed. He still believed in what was possible. Dr. King believed in faith as the ultimate answer to all of life's tragedies and challenges uh, and that the movement that he was part of was, was not reaching an end, but was really just getting to the beginning. There will be inevitable setbacks here and there. There will be those moments when the buoyancy of hope will be transformed into the fatigue of despair. Our dreams will sometime be shattered, and our ethereal hopes blasted. Difficult and painful as it is, we must walk on in the days ahead with an audacious faith in the future. An audacious faith in the future. Uh, I love that vision. Uh, and despite the fact that we will face the fatigue of despair, and I think that's so true in so many things, we often run out of energy before we run out of opportunity. We, we succumb to that fatigue of despair 
when if we just held on to that buoyancy of hope, as Dr. King described it, uh, that's how we get to better days. Uh, I want to bring it home here a little bit closer. I've had the opportunity on a number of occasions to interview uh, civil rights leader Reverend Amos Brown, of course, is the 17th pastor of the historic uh, Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, uh, and he's one of the last remaining people who was actually taught by Martin Luther King Jr. He was one of his students, and uh, last time I had an opportunity to talk with Reverend Brown, we, we talked about that very thing. Uh, what did he learn in the way that Dr. King taught him? But he always expounded Dr. Brightman's theory of personalism. What does it mean? That every human being is a person imbued with worth and dignity. And one should never treat a person wrongly or in a prejudicial way because of any accidental external features. As long as that person was just not breaking the law, it was our obligation morally to respect that person. Respect and dignity, uh, the theory of personalism, uh, to see people not as groups, not as tribes, not as political parties, not even as segments of the country or society, but as individuals with dignity and respect. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. That if we can't start there... Uh, There's not very many places we can go. But when we do start with that dignity of that individual, the human, uh, seeing them again, not as a label, uh, not as an ism, but as a person, uh, that's where you can begin to really have change and to really move society forward. Uh, Reverend Brown uh, went on in our conversation to explain uh, what being taught by Martin Luther King Jr. was really like. It was engaging enlightening, encouraging, and very much mirrored his uh, empathetic spirit of being with the marginalized and those who had been wronged by public policies of a nation that preached about democracy but did not live democratic principles with African-Americans in particular. So again, that's uh, Reverend Amos Brown, and one of the last students uh, taught personally by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, He is a national treasurer. Uh, I could talk to Reverend Brown for hours and hours and just listen 
uh, to his stories and experiences and just the way he views our possibilities. He recognizes our flaws and our failures, uh, but also sees a, a very bright future. Uh, one of the, the real treats uh, before I came to KSL is I had the opportunity to cover uh, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, he and Reverend Brown made this extraordinary connection. Uh, these two statesmen, these two world religious leaders uh, connected on so many levels. They uh, they really taught the world what it looks like to, to link arms uh, and to move forward together, uh, to not be so worried about old stories, uh, but be engaged in new conversations. And together, uh, they they penned a, an op-ed uh, with others from the NAACP, uh, talking about where we need to go as a nation. Uh, but I want to play just a little bit from uh, President Russell M. Nelson, again, prophet and president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He spoke about this obligation to treat each other equally and with dignity, and that there's no place for anything short of that. Brothers and sisters, please listen carefully to what I'm about to say. God does not love one race more than another. Today, I call upon our members everywhere to lead out in abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice. I plead with you to promote respect for all of God's children. Amazing as those two leaders really linked and locked arms, they understood that the answers to racism and prejudice, discrimination and hate uh, aren't going to come from government. They're not going to come from law enforcement. The solutions will come from open hearts, from true friendship uh, and a brotherhood and sisterhood that comes when you serve each other, when you help each other, when you engage with one another, when you understand one another. And that's the the real key to all of that. Uh, Until we do that, uh, we're going to have a a real tough sled ahead because government can't do it. And and I love that as they look at these new conversations, not not old things, new things. Uh, That's how you build bridges of understanding and cooperation. It's how you solve problems uh, and work together. And it's one of the things uh, that I think both President Nelson and Reverend Brown uh, understood. Uh, they came together. They created a, uh, an opportunity for organizations to work together on self-reliance programs, financial security, upward mobility, opportunity for inner city and minority families and individuals. And we are always better when we set aside the differences and we just link arms and we start moving forward. Not that we ignore anything. Uh, But if we live in the past, uh, it's impossible to chart a better course towards the future. And so as we look for those solutions, as we look to the legacy of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. this holiday weekend, uh, just remember, hate cannot drive out hate. As he said, only love can do that. And I think we all need to recognize that dignity in one another, uh, because that's what Dr. King was really trying to teach all of us to do. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.